In a world where planet-threatening, civilization-ending, humanity-uniting movie tropes lie scattered throughout a sea of film, one disaster response expert, with the help of her plucky producer sidekick, will gather together a panel of experts to discuss. Wait, what? Why the f did they do that? That's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. Welcome to Disaster Peace Theater. Hi, I'm Anna, and I'm joined by my longtime friend, Rev. Hello. Uh, we've been friends for, God, most of our lives, and occasionally yep. I can convince him to go along with random crazy ideas like this show. <laughs> How long have we been talking about this show? Well, it's been at least as long as the current horrible action movie that we're living through has been going. That's so at true. least three years. Yeah, at least three years. Yeah. <laughs> we're in 2020 season three. I'd like yeah. to fire the writers and start over. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so um, welcome to Disaster Peace Theater, uh, named by my friend Corey Quinn, who I go to for any time I need bad pun names. Um, and our intro is by uh, Chris over at the Humble Pod. How did I even talk you into this? Did I wait till you were here and like get you drunk or something? Like I can't no, remember. No, <laughs> it, was, it was more so, okay, I guess to start the story, why don't you tell everybody your background? Oh, right. <laughs> so uh, I was in the Coast Guard for 12 years where I specialized in crisis communications and search and rescue operations, which means I did a lot of uh, frontline response. So basically every major disaster from about 2004 to 2016. So Hurricane Katrina, um, the BP oil spill. And then after I got out of the Coast Guard, I worked at Amazon Web Services for about four years. And during that time, um, I was in charge of the crisis response there. So I was the head of global disaster response. So my background is basically uh, if it's on fire, instead of running away from it, I'm usually running towards it. Yes. And then my background on the completely other side of the scale uh, is all entertainment related. Uh, I have my master's in acting. Uh, I was the associate artistic director at a theater for quite a number of years. And then now I am the producer for my own uh, podcast studio, Crit Show Studios. So you had come to me with the idea of the show, mm -hmm. and you were asking about me producing it. First, it was, I think it was, if I could go over editing with you. Yes. And then it turned into, well, why don't, can I just hire you to edit it? Mm -hmm. um, and then it turned into, we were talking about the idea. You're like, okay, so it's going to be myself and an expert talking about mm -hmm. these tropes in movies and mm -hmm. how they do or they don't work or how it would work in, in reality. Mm -hmm. And I said, what you also need is a voice like you need someone that's just an audience member, someone who's like, well, this makes sense to me. So why doesn't it work? And you were like, well, I mean, since you're producing it already, why don't you just be that <laughs> voice? And I was like, I opened that door. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. Well, but also one of the things we've, I mean, we've been friends since we were like 14 yeah. and we've always bonded over video games and movies and pop mm -hmm. culture stuff. Like, you know, if you saw the two of us and who we are today, the fact that we are friends as good of friends as we are, people would probably be like, how did that even happen? Yeah. And uh, it's the early 90s internet. That's how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> we are that strange generation of people born between 78 and 83, where somehow we grew up analog, but also 
the internet influenced us in a huge way. Yep. Yeah. Uh, What do they call us? We're either called geriatric millennials, which is just mean, or we are called, oh, zillennials. Yeah. Zillennials. Yeah. Because my brother is a millennial and I actually have more millennial traits than he does. Yeah. So the, I, I keep finding these little articles about like the quote unquote lost generation, like the kids who are old enough to be Gen X, but mm-hmm. grew up in just the right spot where all of, um, you know, the Internet basically changed the way that you did things throughout the course of your life. And so mm-hmm. you understand it much better yeah. uh, than a than a Gen Xer. Yeah. And it's uh, it's really interesting because one of the things I did was I actually founded the Coast Guard social media program. Um you know, so I founded the Coast Guard social media program. I launched the Coast Guard's first mobile app. So like I was the digital native in the house going up against admirals and stuff going, no, 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 this isn't a fad. It's not going away. Yeah. And, you know, where they would say, oh, online isn't real life. I actually occasionally would use you as an example, be like, okay, so you're saying online isn't real life. My friend from when I was a kid just came and visited me in New Orleans. You can't tell me it's not real life. Yeah. Um. But, you know, when we're talking about how the Internet influenced us, I think it's really influenced how we watch movies, too. How often do we sit there now watching a movie and we'll like look up going, that actor looks really familiar and look it up or we'll look up, you know, whatever was talked about in the movie. Now, one thing I would say um, as we head into Disaster Peace Theater itself is we are intentionally avoiding uh, real movies. As in no Deepwater Horizon movie. The only real movie we will probably get to at some point is Titanic. And that's because that's far enough back that I didn't respond to it and it won't traumatize me to talk about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but also because of the way it changed, like the whole way ships are built and it started the ice patrol and all of these cool things that a lot of people don't know. Also really cool is, did you see that uh, Shackleton's ship was finally found? I did see that. So now I'm tempted to go and see if we can't find a movie about that expedition um, to talk about that because that's a really cool one. They also found a box of his whiskey in mm. the ice in Antarctica and they brought it back to Scotland and reverse engineered it. Um, oh. Yeah. So my dad, being a sailor like me, has a bottle of Shackleton's uh, whiskey at the house. My mom almost killed him for what it cost. But yeah, so there's all of these great, you know, great movies and things. But the whole reason I wanted to do this show was. Have you ever noticed that sometimes you're sitting through a movie and you can suspend disbelief to a certain point and then you're like, no, uh-uh, no way. And there's always these moments where had they made one choice differently, it would have, the movie would have ended. Yeah. And I think what's interesting to me about this, and I think to give you know the listeners right now an uh, expectation of what it is they're going to experience, myself and Anna and whoever the guest is that week, we're all going to watch the selected movie and the movie will be selected based off of the guest, whatever it is they kind of have an area of expertise in. Mm-hmm. And as we watch it, we're going to take our individual notes and then get together and talk about it. And I think what's really interesting to me is having recorded a couple of these already, things that maybe you bumped up against that the person's like, actually, that's how it would work. Or things mm-hmm. that I bumped up against where you're both like, no, that's that's correct. Like <laughs> there's going to be such an interesting line of the things that we think aren't how it goes and how it would actually work versus the things that seem logical, like, oh, that makes sense. That's what they would do. It's like, no, actually, it's way more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. They couldn't decide who to send up into space randomly. They have to go through all mm-hmm. of this mental screening. They couldn't just skip it like they do in <laughs> Armageddon. Yeah. Or like how we talk about in um, uh, Alien Covenant, which is kind of the movie that kicked this idea off yeah. in my head that you never put married couples on a ship together because you're 
ability to make logical in the moment decisions is hindered when you have a familial relationship. No fleet in the US, no fleet anywhere will you find a husband and wife on the ship together. You know, and so so there's just all of these things and and they're little details that might and and like you said it's really cool that some of them for me I hit a roadblock and go, "Uh, no." And for you it's totally different. Like with the married couple thing, you might not have thought of that the yeah. way I did. You know, but one of the other things is I was talking to somebody and they said that scene where in Alien Covenant, the spacecraft touches down and they get off just dressed like they're there for, you know, a hike Mm -hmm. wouldn't have impacted them where they were like, why aren't they wearing face coverings until COVID? Mm -hmm. Like they didn't think about the face masks or breathing things in really until COVID. So another thing that we'll probably touch on quite a bit, I know we're going to touch on it um, in the zombie episode, is how has... COVID changed the way we see some of these disaster movies because the whole globe now has been through multiple disasters between COVID, earthquakes and flooding, now the invasion of the Ukraine, uh, the spiders that are about to parachute onto the East Coast and the murder hornets here. Like, you know, one of my friends joked, okay, let's take the murder hornets and have them combat the spiders. And I was like, cool, I've seen that movie. They join up together and take out humanity. (laughs) Like... Or what was that, the the rock in Japan that held a killer demon that split apart? I saw another one, too. Was it like some ancient site that was under frozen water? The water had melted and it had, mm-hmm. had raised well, up again. Was that two years ago? Was it last year that the ocean was on fire? Yeah. Like, you know, and now I'm watching movies going, if it's a movie made post-2021 or so, I want to see the characters be cognizant of the world we live in. Does that make sense? Mm, Like one of my biggest pet peeves is why has no one in a zombie movie ever seen a zombie movie? Right. You know, or like I could see not saying, oh, you know, I've seen dinosaur movies in Jurassic Park. But like, why has no one been going to the park going, "Uh, you know, the last three parks ate people? Yeah, I actually saw the most recent Scream movie. And that's one thing I can say about that movie was that. Everyone in that movie had seen the story made about the original movie because it's history in that Mm -hmm. movie. Yeah. And that's the thing is like there's a difference between a system failing like the original Alien and Aliens movie. They were going in prepared to battle potentially other people and they were faced with something new. So the system they had and the system that had worked before didn't work now. There was a new horror and it didn't work. Cool. Great. But my my sticking point usually comes when it's not the system failing. It's just straight up decisions someone actually wouldn't make in the real world. When it's lazy writing versus people in the movie fighting a system that failed, you can tell the difference. And and that's where a lot of them kind of stick with me. But there's also like, we're going to go over Armageddon. And let's be real. That one is a suspend disbelief from moment one. <laughs> but, you know, there's still some interesting questions to be asked there. Like, what would we do? If there was an asteroid heading for Earth, like what could NASA do? Mm-hmm. So can you give us a, a little taste of the guests that we're going to have? Yeah. Um, well, one of them is my dad. Um, my dad, Dave Visneski, is a naval architect, marine engineer who built um, the newest fleet of Washington State ferries and was an icebreaker captain. So he knows his ships. So he'll be joining us to talk about 2012 and how what it takes to build an arc like that. Uh, we also have author Chuck Wendig joining us to talk about zombie movies and a couple of the books he's written. Uh, We have someone from NASA joining us to talk about uh, your choice, Armageddon. Mm -hmm. We also have a shark specialist, Amanda Fisher, joining us to talk about the Meg and gigantism and what it would take to actually have a shark that size, as well as we'll be talking a little bit of search and rescue on 
that one beach scene with all the crowd and why that is horrifying to anyone who's ever worked in search and rescue. So we're going to have the first, actually the first three episodes of disaster peace theater uh, will come out on April 14th. That should be a week from today. This first season will be eight episodes and we'll kind of see how it goes and decide if there's a call for a second season for some other movies and some other experts. Yeah. One thing I do hope to do is uh, around October, I'd love to just do creature and monster movies. Mm. like Lake Placid and um, Crawl and, you know, just the the monster movies. Because as you know, when I took my sabbatical from AWS, I watched so many shark movies. And I'm not talking like documentaries. I'm talking two-headed shark, three-headed shark, like shark, mega shark versus mega wolf or whatever. So many of them that I ruined our Prime Video uh, recommendations for like a good two months. <laughs> I thought I thought Eric was going to kill me. So <laughs> one other thing we're going to do is the week before an episode airs uh, on our Twitter account, there will be a link for a cocktail that goes with the movie that we're reviewing. So that way you have the whole week before to watch the movie and make the cocktail. Um, so you can make sure some of our listeners might not have seen the particular movie we're going to be talking about. Mm -hmm. So yeah. the week before we will have Here's the cocktail for this movie. It'll be a custom cocktail made for that movie. Uh, poor Rev has been a guinea pig for a few of these cocktails. <laughs> and uh, actually, that's a that's a good uh, a good thing we probably should let people know. Where can they find the Twitter? And there's a website too. Yes. So our Twitter handle is at disasterpiece, and you can find our webpage at disasterpiecetheater.wtf. All right. I think with that, we will see you all next week for the first technically the first, second, and third episode of Disaster Peace Theater. This episode of Disaster Peace Theater, hosted by Anna Visneski, was edited and produced by Brandon Wentz, with intro by Dan Cruiser and Chris Hill. You can contact us, learn more about the hosts, and check out our merch store at disasterpeacetheater.wtf.